This is the Passive Real Estate Podcast, the premier podcast for passive real estate investors. Matt Jones interviews experienced passive investors who share their industry secrets and active investors who show you different ways to invest passively. Welcome back. I'm Matt Jones. And today on the Passive Real Estate Podcast, I welcome Lauren Wells. Lauren leads the strategic evaluation of market research and implementation and heads business strategies at 70 Mortgage Note Investments. Lauren brings over 10 years of business development, sales, and project management experience. Prior to joining the company, she worked as a senior consultant with SAS startups, including Procure and LinkedIn, to build and scale their sales organizations. This included development forecasts, defining target markets, identifying acquisition opportunities, and establishing new sources of revenue. Lauren has also been a real estate investor since 2010. During this time, she has helped grow and manage a portfolio of over 100 assets, which include both residential real estate and mortgage notes. Welcome to the program. Lauren, welcome to the program. Thank you. So happy to be here. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you would like the audience to know about yourself? Um, no, I think that's, you kind of summed it up. I mean, one thing I think is kind of unique is I am a mom of two boys. So just showing that you can do this and have a family at the same time. <laughs> Excellent. And how did you get started with real estate investing? Yeah, uh, the hard way, I like to say. I grew up around a family that was always involved in real estate, but I'm the oldest of three girls and felt like it was my job to do everything except for real estate. I was going to forge my own path. Um, circled back to real estate when I was about to have kids and realized that it was really the only true way to be in control of your time through passive investing. So started out actually uh, looking into long-term rentals, managed some long-term, acquired to manage some long-term rentals. And then when COVID hit, got into mortgage note investing, which is super niche and private money lending as well. Okay. And then uh, with those long-term uh, rentals, wh what sort of investments were they like single family duplexes? Yeah. So single family homes in Florida and California. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, what kind of deals do you mostly focus on right now? Yeah. So right now uh, the portfolio is specifically either private money lending or mortgage note investing. Okay. And so is that passive or active or, or yeah. both? So I think that's like always a good question is because you hear a lot of people think, oh, well, like build my real estate venture. I want to have passive income. And they think like I did, oh, I'm going to go buy a property. I'm going to rent it out. That's passive. I would actually argue that that's not very passive, um, especially unless you're willing to outsource that management to someone else. There is a lot of hands-on work. What if the tenant decides not to pay? What if something's happening with the property? You know, you're, you're not still sitting back and collecting a check at that point. There's a lot of work that goes into it. So I would say mortgage notes is more passive than owning physical property, um, but still not 100% passive. I would say the private money lending is 100% passive. So it kind of, I always think it's interesting when that comes up of what is truly passive. Maybe that's different for every person. Um, but for me, I literally think of passive as, sitting back and collecting a check that gets deposited into my account each month without anything from me. So, so if I wanted to get started with mortgage note investing, how would I go about that? Yeah. So it is a super small asset class and um, niche group of people that are in the space. Uh, I would probably start by joining Facebook groups and 
looking on bigger pockets for people who are in the space to learn from. Uh, I would read a few books. There's a few great uh, books out there on mortgage notes. Uh, Invest in Debt by Napier is a great book, just kind of covering the overall concept of not just mortgage debt, but credit card debt, uh, auto debt, all sorts of debt, and how kind of the concept of mortgage notes works, where you're essentially acquiring the loan and assuming the position of the bank. So I would definitely educate myself and then I would start connecting with people in the space because like I said, it is super niche. And so what do you need with any deal? You need capital and you need deals. Well, capital you might have, but in the mortgage note space, you're going to have to try to find and make relationships with sellers who are interested in selling notes. You're not going to be able to walk into a JP Morgan Chase, you know, and say, Hey, can I buy a mortgage note from you? Uh, that's typically reserved for like the black rocks and large, you know, hedge funds. So establishing relationships with people in the space would be like my, and networking would be my number one suggestion. If you're looking to get into this space. And how do you connect with these people? How do you? Find yeah, them? yeah. So again, I would go to Bigger Pockets, and I would probably post on one of the forums and say, "Hey, does anyone do mortgage note investing?" Or you can even look. Uh, I believe there is a mortgage note investing forum, and you'll see like the same people kind of pop up as go-to experts or in the space that are pretty actively involved. And I'm a big believer in just shooting them an email, a message, a LinkedIn voice message, specifically if you can. Um, and asking them if you can have five minutes of their time, you know, pick their brain a little bit, the, you know, as you might know, the real estate industry is one that is very generous with their time and always willing to help each other out. So I always feel like if you ask 20 people in the space, Hey, can I have five minutes of your time to connect and learn more? This is what I'm trying to do. Uh, I saw your post on bigger pockets, or I saw you're active on LinkedIn or in the space, you know, can I, yeah. Do you have time for that? I mean, you're going to get at least two of those people who are going to say yes, um, if not more. So I think bigger pockets, finding your people, and then uh, Facebook groups are pretty active as well in this space. So you could probably uh, search for mortgage note investing and groups in that space, join a few groups, and even just soaking in like all the information you see on there and who's kind of contributing. And you'll kind of get see the same names pop up over and over again. Okay. So once you have the capital and you find, you know, people in the space, sellers or like, you know, yeah. uh, real estate investors that want to invest or, or, or sellers yeah. willing to sell you notes, I guess, what's the process? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like buying a home. So, you know, you say um, a seller puts out a list of loans they're willing to sell and you identify one or two or three on there that you are looking to buy. First, you have to decide before you even go to like bid or acquire, you have to decide, do I want to buy performing notes or non-performing notes? So performing is when a borrower is making their payments consistently on time per the terms of their mortgage agreement. And then non-performing means they're 90 days plus delinquent. So they haven't made payments for 90 plus days. And you don't know the really, typically you don't understand the reasoning behind that at a high level until you dig deeper. So I would say if you're looking for a very much more passive, you would want to acquire a performing loan. If you're looking for a bigger payoff, potentially at the end, a non-performing with higher risk, obviously, 
uh, a non-performing would be where you'd go. So you get this uh, tape of assets, it's called, and you say, identify two that you're looking to bid on. Um, and then you go ahead and make your bids along with probably everyone else who's bidding on this tape. And your bid will either get rejected, countered, or accepted. Again, similar to buying a home. Um, if it gets countered, you can choose to opt out or continue on and counter offer with your best offer. Or if it gets accepted, you then go into a escrow or due diligence period where then you're able to dive deeper into things that are really important to make sure that the numbers that you were given by the seller match up to reality. So value of the asset you're looking at, uh, borrower history, are there any additional liens? So really digging into the details of everything that makes this note, whether it's again, additional liens, who are the borrowers? Why did they stop paying if it's non-performing? Getting prior servicing notes um, and making sure that your bid is accurate for the information that you were given. You can always fade your bid if the say the value is off by 100K. That's a very big difference in what your bid probably was based on a specific value. So fading your bid uh, or you know opting out completely if there's something that you find that you know wasn't disclosed earlier. And then after that, if all looks good, you can close on the asset and then you essentially become the bank. You put that loan with a licensed servicer to who's qualified to collect debt in whatever state that is. And essentially if it's performing, you're collecting that paycheck. So it is a little bit more mailbox money, as they say. If it's non-performing, you have a few options. You can work something out with the borrower or go through the foreclosure process. How often do you have to do foreclosures with non-performing notes? You know, I think it depends on who the uh, sponsor is or who the investor is. Uh, our portfolio, we've done over 500 deals and have foreclosed on less than 10%. Some people, their go-to is automatically start foreclosure and go through the foreclosure process. Um, again, for us, time is money. And typically the foreclosure process can take anywhere from six to months to 18 months, sometimes two years, depending on the state. So if we can get someone to come to the table and get re-performing and then sell that note as a performing note, we're going to make more a better exit in quicker time. So I think a misconception is people just stop paying their mortgage. <laughs> and that's typically not the case. Typically it's death, divorce, health, COVID, job loss, something that some circumstance that caused them to get behind. And then by the time they were able to get caught back up, they're 30K in the hole and a institutional bank will say, well, sorry, but we need those 30K before we start applying to your current balance. So then it's kind of they're in this hopeless state, whereas we have more negotiation and ability to be flexible with them. So, okay. yeah. Yeah, that, that certainly makes sense. And then are there certain states where it's better to buy performing notes versus non-performing notes? Yeah, of course. So states like New York, New Jersey, California, you know, not super great if you're looking at the non-perform, well, mostly New York, New Jersey, not great if you're looking at non-performing. Uh, the foreclosure process, you know, can be years and it just doesn't make sense uh, for most of, for our, at least in our eyes. Uh, if you're, and typically the borrower knows that it can take years to foreclose. So they're not going to come to the table. Um, other states, Georgia, super quick foreclosure process. 
if you're looking to go that route. Um, so it kind of just depends. And then also it depends on if you're looking at single family homes, multifamily properties, you know, office buildings. So the kind of note as well that you're looking at really depends. And then also jobs. You want to look at jobs right now. Where are jobs being impacted? California, probably not great. There's going to be a lot of default there because tech is very heavily, you know, focused there. And there's been mass layoffs in the tech sector. So. Yeah, certainly. And uh, where do you see mortgage notes going over the next year? I, I know a lot of people are struggling with their car loans, for example. Yeah. Do you see that happening with uh, mortgages as well? Yeah, we are starting to see. So during COVID, it was interesting. Our business saw record refinances and payoffs because obviously interest rates were so low. There was tons of equity. So it was really great in a different way than we've experienced before because we just kept receiving payoffs, which is amazing. Um, now what we're seeing is, and foreclosures were halted because of COVID and moratoriums. Now the foreclosures are kind of starting to pick up again. We're also seeing more inventory come to us. So you look at what happened with SVB and you're seeing, okay, regional banks are going to start having to sell their assets because they're looking at paper they created at 3%. Now we're at 6% and that is losing them money. So they have two options. They can go ahead and try to foreclose, which banks are great, but they're in the business of creating debt, not really managing it. So foreclosure for them will take significantly longer than it would take someone, you know, in smaller investors um, who are, this is what they do, or they can sell it at a loss. And if they sell it at a loss, they can immediately go ahead and create new paper at 6%. So that's where the inventory comes from. So from an inventory perspective, we're seeing a lot more inventory starting to flood the market. You know, for example, I think in Q1, we looked at 300 million in loans. And in the first few weeks, we've already looked at over a hundred million of loans. So of UPB, so unpaid principal balance, um, available for sale. So it yeah, definitely inventory is picking up. I think that people as inflation continues to get hit and obviously there's political and external factors that could play into where inflation goes and therefore where rates are going and people's ability to repay their mortgage will be impacted by that. Um, so we're just going to continue to see more defaults. I believe, again, personal opinion, um, based on the past few years and trends, more defaults and more inventory will be coming down the pipeline for sure. Real estate is all about adding value to other people. An easy way to do that is to share this podcast with someone you know who wants to do more passive real estate investing. Also, subscribe and leave a review. Now, let's get back to the episode. Think of an example of a mortgage note that you've actually bought and yeah. know, break, break down the numbers of you know what uh, what you paid for, you know, how much it was worth and, and what you, you know, thought you were going to get for a return off of it. Yeah. So here's an interesting one um, I'll do from my personal portfolio. When I first got started, I actually invested in second mortgages. So second liens, which is a great place to get started because they're typically cheaper and lower cost, lower barrier to entry. Um, there is where value obviously really matters. Equity, you need to make sure that if the first forecloses that you're covered. Um, so I bought a first, second position note in Georgia, which has a very fast foreclosure timeline. And I actually did foreclose from second position. 
Uh, I purchased the note for, I want to say it was $4,000. So nothing crazy. Um, and the total outstanding balance was like 16,000. So when I, and you, I think people don't know this as well. You can foreclose from second position. Not many people do that, but it is an option. So I went through the foreclosure process. I actually received a payoff from the borrower because it was a family property and they didn't know that this second lien was out there, which mm. actually happens quite often. Oh. And I ended up getting the full payoff of 16,000 within a couple of months. So there's one example of that working out very well for me. Again, Georgia moves things pretty quickly. However, I had another one in Georgia that was a second. Similar numbers, I think it was like maybe $5,600 and there was 20 something in total outs due. Uh, it went through the foreclosure process. Someone bought it at auction, a third party. However, and so I'm entitled to funds because there was surplus funds to cover the first and the second. However, the courts were so slow. So even though that foreclosure timeline was only like four months, I it took me a full year to receive funds from the bank. So it it really is, I mean, again, the payoff was great, but I had to wait a full year to receive the payoff of that investment, which again, time is money. So I would take the payoff, you know, any day, every day versus, you know, the foreclosure and then waiting on the court to release funds. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, this reminds me when I first got started in real estate uh, before the 2008 crash, I, I bird dogged for another investor and I would go okay. to the courthouse and, and research properties that had a large yeah. second mortgage on them. You know, even if there was, you know, if this was a hundred thousand dollar house and maybe the first was 60,000, the second mortgage was 40,000 and yeah. they were in default. Like that was like a great option because, uh, he, you know, he had all the connections with the banks and he could buy that for as little as $4,000 for a yeah. $40,000 mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. I think I don't do as many seconds anymore. Our portfolio mostly focuses on first, but yeah, it's, uh, it was definitely a great place to get started and learn kind of the ins and outs of managing your own portfolio, especially from a non-performing uh, perspective, which is very different from performing. So. Yeah. It's great that you have options where you can either renegotiate with a homeowner yeah. or, or to, uh, you know, work something out or to foreclose or, or yeah. are there any other options you would consider? Yeah. So you can do like a deed in lieu, cash for keys. Um, really that's, I think that one of the fun things about mortgage notes is there are so many different ways to exit a property. So you exit basically, I mean, it comes down to exiting through the borrower or exiting through the property, whether foreclosure or work something out with the borrower. And again, the thing about working something out with the borrower is it can be really on your terms, anything. Um, you know, we've had people who have come to us and one, for example, someone had cancer, got behind on his payments and then couldn't get caught up, but could still make that monthly payment, but was kind of like, well, what's the point? It's all going to fees. I'm not paying down any of my principal. So when we, when we came across this and it was in our portfolio, we were able to say, okay, well, if you can still afford the monthly payments, can you make lump sum payments, say quarterly towards your arrears? And so, yes, he could. So he gave us like a down payment of 2,500, was making monthly payments for six months, which is kind of like our trial payment plan to make sure in good faith that before we make anything, kind of modify anything, that that's, you know, something that they are able to do consistently. Um, 
and then was making quarterly installments against his arrears, which for him was great because he was able to keep his mortgage and I think or his, yeah, his property. I guess now what's interesting and another thing we're seeing is it is much cheaper for someone now to work with us than find another place to live because of inventory and rental rates. Because typically their mortgage is significantly lower than what it would cost them to go rent something probably half the size. So we are seeing more borrowers come to the table for that reason. Whereas before they were like, well, I can go somewhere else or I have so much equity, I'll refinance or whatever that might be. Yeah, harder to step away from a, a sub three mortgage note yeah. into a, a six or seven. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about uh, 70 mortgage note investments. Like, uh, are, is your yeah. capital all just your own money that you're investing or yeah. you can take on passive investors as well? Yeah. So we do. Um, 70, what is Chris 70 is the founder and I helped co-found and launch our newest fund, which is a regulation A plus offering. So we both started out with our own capital. He did a lot of JVs and has, and I helped him manage four prior, five prior funds, which were regulation D offerings, basically open only to accredited investors. But um, we decided to launch a regulation A. And for those who don't know what that is, it's essentially think of crowdfunding for real estate. Um, we are now able to accept money per the qualification of the SEC from accredited and non-accredited investors. And our minimum is super low. So really my part of like me and my passion behind this was there are so many people who want to get started. And it always seems like this huge barrier to entry is you have to have a hundred K you have to be accredited. And that's like not feasible for a lot of people. So the regulation a, I guess, both in just concept and then passion project of our mine is anyone can get in the game. So you can start, our minimum is $2,500. And even if, you know, 8% is what we're offering is not, you know, a huge amount on 2,500, it still allows you to kind of get your head around that concept and build something and start small and get familiar with, um, you know, investing and kind of how that works, how you can make your money work for you. So that's what we have going on. And all the fund essentially. So we raise the capital from investors and we deploy that capital into first position mortgage notes um, across the US that are secured by single family homes. So when somebody invests into their fund, they're not just putting that, it doesn't go only into one particular mortgage note. It's like spread across many. Correct. Yeah. And part of that is really great. You're diversifying. So you're not tied to one asset in Georgia or one asset in New York, you're tied to the performance of the entire portfolio. And what sort of return can investors expect? Yeah. So our offering is anywhere from eight to 10%, depending on investment amount. Um, and we make monthly dividends. So you're not taxed at a capital or a ordinary income tax. We're a C-corp. So it's really kind of that true 8% because you're not getting 8% and then paying 37% tax at the end of the year, you're paying a long-term capital gains tax. So um, again, returns anywhere from eight to 10% on your money annually. Excellent. And uh, how liquid is it? I I'm guessing it's not liquid. No, it is not super liquid. So that is something, you know, you have to consider when you're investing is, you know, do I, how much, 
cash can I have tied up? Uh, we have a lockup period of four years. There is early, there are early redemption options, obviously, but with those come penalties. So the closer you are to that four year mark, the less the penalty is. Okay. Yeah. And uh, what's the problem that you encountered with one of your real estate investments and how was it handled? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think the the biggest, I would say problems come with borrowers who are investors. So I, we purchase a note, for example, that is not owner occupied. We try not to do that anymore because if they're not owner occupied, it's typically someone's investment property and typically they're very savvy and they will drag you through court after court after court and attorney after attorney. And it, it's not even, it's more on principle. So we've run into that. And so now we try to stay away from investor owned defaulted mortgages um, because typically it's just not, it's not, it's like a game for them and it's not super fun for us. So uh, our pivot was to just not look at properties or mortgages that were investor owned. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. <laughs> I mean, most investors I know don't seem like they'd be the kind of person to do that, but uh, maybe the few that are, are the ones that end up yes. in default and, and they're just have that personality. Uh, yeah. That's... Yeah. And it's just like, well, yeah, instead of coming to the table, it's like they want to continue to take as much, get as much as they can out of it. So yeah, that's something that we've um, steered, kind of start steering clear of is just, we want owner occupied. Fair enough. Are you ready for a speed round? I am. Let's do it. What's your favorite part about passive real estate investing? Um, I like the ability to see that, yeah, my time, one, um, it's not something I'm, it's necessarily, especially with the uh, private money lending, it's, I wake up and there's more money in my bank account that I wasn't like putting an hour towards. So I like that. I also like the, what it's, especially I'll give an example, what it's done for my family. My husband was impacted by the tech layoffs and passive income allowed him to one, take the entire holiday season and just be home and present with our kids. But it also allowed him to then pivot, not having to go back into tech. He could, he now has launched a consulting business and has autonomy over his time and his day and is making the same money he was before, but wouldn't have had that opportunity had we not had passive investment as an option. Very awesome. And uh, what do you know now about passive real estate investing that you wish you knew when you first got started? Yeah, um, that your relationships and the connections you make is the most important thing in the business of passive investing. So you're going to form, forming and networking and attending all the RIA events, whether it's in your kind of strengths or not, is something you should become comfortable with because the more people you network with, the more relationships you establish, the more opportunities come your way, which kind of opens up the door to more options. Yeah. And earlier you mentioned the book, Invest in Debt. Is there any other yeah. book that you can recommend to other investors? Yeah. So that's like more of a specific kind of investing in debt book that is great. And a lot of people look at it as kind of like their go-to Bible for uh, investing in debt. But the overall, probably one of my favorite books, and it's not necessarily real estate related, it's more mindset related, is called Relentless by Tim Grover. And he 
basically is a trainer for professional athletes like Kobe, um, and talks about the mindset that separates people who kind of get shit done to people who do well to people who don't succeed. And I, as a former athlete myself, it's something that really resonated with me. And I kind of keep it on my bookshelf every time I need a little kick in the butt. <laughs> nice. And Lauren, how can our listeners get in contact with you if they want to learn more about what you have going on? Yeah. Um, you can always reach out to me at, uh, on LinkedIn at Lauren Wells and also Lauren at 70einvestments.com. Or if you're interested in investing in our offering, feel free to visit our offering page at invest.7einvestments.com. All right. I'll include those in the show notes. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to mention that we haven't covered yet? No, um, I think the only thing I would say is if you're kind of looking to start out in passive investing is, you know, it doesn't realizing that sometimes it is a journey. It's not an overnight success like you might see on all the highlight reels of people's social media and that, you know, just to chop wood, carry water, keep going, <laughs> find what works uh, for you and your situation, because it's going to probably look different from the person sitting across the room. Yep. Fair enough. All right. Well, thank you, Lauren, and have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Subscribe to this podcast to stay updated on new episodes. Leave a review to let us know that you enjoy the content. There are tons of ways to invest in real estate that you can explore by reading Matt Jones's book called Book About Real Estate. It summarizes many top real estate books all in one. Find it on Amazon, Audible, iTunes, Google Play, or barnesandnoble.com. If you want to learn more about passive real estate investing, go to hawkwingcapital.com.